If you have your Bibles, I want you to open those to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, we're going to close out the book of Colossians today, heading into Easter next Sunday, followed up by a series on uh, our favorite text that we like to misuse, called Straight Out of Context. And uh, Colossians chapter 4, our emphasis today is in verses 2 through 6, but We're going to take a swing at Paul's friends in verses 7 through 18 as well. Read with me in 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us. That God may open to us a door for the word. To declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison. That I may make clear, may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. One more time, we're going to read through that with emphasis. Continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I think that one of the many struggles of most Christians is that we look at our everyday lives and we do not see what is taking place as eternally meaningful. We, we don't look and consider the options and opportunities that are around us. We go from point one to point two to point three, and we even know through this in our sleep. Moms and dads, we wake up and we know that we have to make sure that the kids' lunch is packed. We have to make sure that they are at school by a certain time. We have to make sure that they are picked up at a certain time. For those of us who are in the workforce, we have to make sure that we are at our office at a certain time. If you have meetings throughout the week, you make sure that you are present for those. We have an existence that is planned out... For us, and there are times when we miss the reality of what God teaches us for that moment. Our sermon title for the day is Righteous Reality. A Righteous Reality. And Paul tells us in verses 4 through 6 what he would have for us to know about the expectations for the believer in the church at Colossae as they move forward. And because of this, we know as believers in Jesus in 2018 that there is something that he is saying for us about how our lives are intended to affect the lives of those that are around us. The first thing 
thing that we see as we look at this text is that we as followers of Jesus are to lean into real prayer. Lean into real prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So, I have been in church the bulk of my life, and I believe that I have been told uh, about 4,736,241 times that prayer is important for us as believers. Just so that I know that you're with me, if for whatever reason you believe that prayer is part of what takes place for someone who claims to follow Jesus, could you raise your hand? Alright, look at you guys. It's like I'm leading a small nation in here. Hands up in the room. Here's what we find about, and, and as we consider prayer. Do we consider who we're praying for and why we're praying for them? Do we think through the impact of our prayer, the direction of our prayer? And are we looking at this text from Paul, this phrase in chapter 4, alongside of what Paul has already shown us in chapter 1? One of the things that we looked at in our very first week in the book of Colossians, way back in January, when it was a brisk 57 degrees in the city of Lake Jackson, was this. That when Paul talks to us about prayer, it is more than just logistics. It's more than us giving God a work order, if you will, of things that he needs to take care of. Next Saturday, some of our gentlemen, our, our deacons, and are going to gather together. And Jacob Vetter has arranged a list of things that they will knock out. We're going to make sure that this is fixed and that this is working and this isn't broken. We want to knock these things off of our logistical list. For many of us, that's what prayer is. Us giving God a list of things that we believe that God should accomplish. But when Paul gives us direction for prayer in chapter 1, it's strategic. And, and even here, as we follow up, if he's going to tell us to pray, his expectation for that prayer would also be strategic. That we would pray with a goal in mind. Oh. What do we see happening as Paul talks about prayer? Paul, as he talks about prayer, lets us know that it's not just us asking God for things, but thanking God for what we have. Paul, as he talks about prayer, and as we walk through these four verses, shows to us that as people who are going to follow after Jesus, that our prayer lives should be that the other, the other people will follow after Jesus. Karl Barth says this about prayer. To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. One more time. For those who believe in Jesus to pray is for us to say that we really want to see God do something that we cannot explain in this world. And while the bulk of the people in this room with your pastor watching raised your hands and said that prayer was important, we have found this statistically, according to Barna, 65% of Christians claim, they will tell you that they rarely pray for other people. 38% of Christians, though Paul has directed us through this letter to pray together, they never pray 
by themselves. So when a believer in Jesus, claiming to be a believer in Jesus, is alone, it is oftentimes rare that he would pray. Paul reminds us to start with prayer. He lets us know how we're to pray and what the hope of our prayer is. He even says this at the same time in verse 3. Make sure that you're praying for me. So not only are we called to lean into real prayer. As we pray, we are to do this. Look for real possibilities. Go with me to verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us. For those of you who are unfamiliar with what's taking place with Paul in this letter, he is not asking for you to pray for him while he is on a cruise, on a carnival cruise line to the Bahamas. Paul is in prison. And he is saying to those who are part of the church, make sure that you pray for me. If I happen to be in prison, I would ask for you to pray for me too. However, when Paul asks for this prayer, he is not saying, pray for me because the situation is difficult, because uh, the struggle is real, because the food is terrible. Here is Paul's request for believers in regards to how he wants them to pray. That God may open to us a door for the word. That we may declare the mystery of Christ. That's why I'm here, he says. I shared with my life group last last Sunday night. uh, My wife is much more observant to the needs of those around us than I am. Uh, Before I moved to Lake Jackson, we lived in a home in Chattanooga that did not have recycle. We basically lived like barbarians. And uh, from time to time, I would have to load up all of the recycle boxes in the back of my truck because we're trying to save the earth that is wasting away. And we would load these boxes up and I would drive them from where we lived like a mile and a half, this journey down the road to a lot that would take all of our cardboard and all of our plastic and sort it and make sure that the earth is sustained. And there was one situation in particular where we looked into the garage and when I stacked the back of my 1995 Ford Ranger up, I could not see out of the back window and Hope, to- Hope told me, I need- I'm going to ride with you. Okay, this is early on in the marriage. We didn't have any children to leave home by themselves. But if we had had a child, you would know that leaving them is basically a date. Even to go to the recycle bin. And when we look into the back of the truck, stuff's falling out as we're driving up a hill. Like Jackson Friends. Hills are these graded ascensions that take place. On a... And we got to a place where all of the boxes that were loaded up started to fall out. And Hope has me pull over to load them back in the car. When we pull over, she sees a sweet little lady uh, around the corner, just in front of us, who is doing yard work. And she was around 81, 82. And as we're driving to the recycle place, Hope said, Chat on the way back, let's stop. And you can help her. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. So when we get back, the lady is trimming her hedges. And when we pull up, I jumped out of my car, out of the truck, and I 
walked to this sweet little lady and I said, Ma'am, is there any way that I can help you? And she said, Yes. And she hands me her clippers. And then she goes to get her lawnmower for me. But as I'm trimming her edges, everything taken care of, she begins to explain to me what is taking place in her personal life. How she has just lost her husband and how she's taking care of one of her sick children. And we were able to see the needs of this family in this moment. Needs that we were able to direct people towards in the future. Thinking through what's taking place there. I get back in the truck and Hope looked at me and said, That's the worst hedge clipping job I've ever seen. We should send a professional. There are needs that are all around us. I think that because of the mundaneness of our lives, we miss that the idea of making much of Jesus is part of that. Yes, we should make sure that we think through mission. Our church has an opportunity in August to go to Guatemala to partner with a ministry that builds wells for the sake of sharing Jesus. And we are going to keep talking about that. You're going to keep hearing about that. Living Waters, Kevin Hearn is going to lead that team. But in the same sense, every day, every week, God is giving you opportunities for gospel giving you chances to talk to your friends and neighbors, giving you people to interact with around. While most of us think that the idea of living on mission for Jesus is going to Algeria, in all honesty, for most of us, it's the fact that we regularly go to Azles. We're there interacting with customers, hopefully not making a clown of ourselves when... The, when the receipt does not add up the way that we thought it should. Because we're making statements. The places that you eat, the places that you shop, the places that you exercise, the places wh- where you work, the needs of your neighbor for, for parents who are part of uh, parent-teacher associations. I, I just love to hear from many of our, our folks who are plugged into the local school system here to hear that they're there. There's chances there for us to declare that we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. The people that we see regularly at gas stations. When I, know, I know you see them at gas stations. That Bucky's cup is only 79 cents. We load up, guys. And you interact with the same three cashiers every day. What are we saying to them about Jesus? Are we looking for the real possibilities that God gives us? Because those possibilities are there. So we lean into real prayer. We look for real possibilities. The third thing we see in this text is that we live with real purpose. That we live with real purpose. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. C.S. Lewis, Christian thinker, wrote those cool Narnia movies, said this, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. 
It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. We as believers do not simply have a social hope. We have an eternal hope because of the person of Jesus. We, as those who follow Jesus, are eternally grateful and towards Him because of what He has done to make us His. We are to be grateful for what He has provided us for the sake of growing in our faith. A family of faith here. His Word that He provides. Conversations with Him. Statistically, same order that I gave, for, so the same group that I read from earlier. 67% of quote-unquote practicing Christians do not read the Bible regularly. 50% of practicing Christians do not attend church weekly. So followers of Jesus... Changed by Jesus, encouraged by Jesus, who have relationship with Jesus. And this is not about where about your work schedules. I understand that many of us have very strange work schedules. But for those who follow after Jesus, we would make the best use of our time. What does that mean? In the original language, the phrase of making the best use of your time means that you would buy up every opportunity. Walking in wisdom towards those who are outside of Jesus and buying up every opportunity to interact. I'm a toilet guy at my house. And with that comes the responsibility of making sure the toilets are clean. It's pretty simple. Pretty simple process. Um, and I've got this magic wand where I pretend like I'm Harry Potter. And then... I will wipe down the toilet with Clorox wipes because we want to make sure that everything's clean and we have three boys and if you're a dad of boys, you know what you're working through. So, uh, Hope finds these fantastic items at Target. They are uh, made by the group Mr. Clean, by the Mr. Clean. They are Mr. Clean's flushable bathroom wipes. Has anyone encountered these yet? They are from heaven. And I feel like you should make the most of this opportunity. Write this down and take it with you. They just go away. You don't have to deal with anything. They don't stop up anything. They are incredible. So after I'd used my first pack in like three days, again, three boys, I I said to Hope, the next time that you go to Target... I want you to buy every one of those they have. So she comes back with this box of an eight pack of these wipes. Because I believed that these things had changed my life. Because they have. When Paul says to us that we are to walk in wisdom towards outsiders... Making the best use of the time we've been given. He is saying that every situation matters. Every conversation matters. Every interaction matters. Every moment that we have to say that there is hope beyond this matters. 
Every chance that we've been given matters. Every friendship we've been given matters. Every neighbor we've been given matters. Every family member we've been given matters. That we are to buy up those opportunities and make the most of those. Are we buying up the opportunities that God has given to us? Living with real purpose. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Making the best use of your time. What do you think is the best use of your time? Now this doesn't mean that we beat people over the head with our Bibles. They're typically not receptive to that. Either figuratively or literally. What it does mean is that as people who are in Jesus, we would seek out the chances that God has given to us to show Jesus, to be Jesus, to declare Jesus, and that in our response to their lack of response, that we would be okay with that Because we hold to the idea that our God is patient and long-suffering. That our goal is for our lives, mine and yours, to say that our belief in Jesus can withstand the test of time as this person wrestles with why they believe what they believe and why you believe what you believe. Making the best use of your time. Well, what should we say as we're making the best use of our time? And how should we say it as we're making the best use of our time? Should anything direct our words? Should we make sure that we're quoting from scriptures which talk about the filth and the treachery of our lost friends and neighbors? Well, typically they're not receptive to that. What would Jesus say to us? Well, through Paul, Jesus says, for followers of Jesus, let your speech be gracious. Let what you say be abounding in patience and and thanksgiving because the God that you worship is patient and abounding in thanksgiving. That we, when we think of, look at, and consider God, would seek to say things that God would say to someone far from Him. Now, our struggle with this in 2018 is more than likely a different struggle than what Paul and his crew dealt with in the book of Colossians. As he's directing this church from prison... They're probably not thinking about the things that they say on social media. However, years removed from that, I would encourage all of us to think through the things that we say on social media. To think through the words that we use, the replies that we reply, the things that we say that are unlike... that are unlike what Paul has directed for us. Let your speech always be gracious. 
those who are far from Jesus don't have the same life direction that you do. How can we expect for them to have the same thought pattern that you do? And we can say what we want to say, but if it is not saturated in grace, dripping with love, then we need to bite our tongue or cut off our typing fingers. Wait, you mean to tell me that if my hand would cause me to sin, I should cut it off? I'm not telling you that. Jesus already has. Your words matter. My words matter. They sting or they can be something that offers a salve to the wounds the world's already inflicting. Let your speech be gracious. Seasoned with salt. Salt, a preservative. Salt also here. What lots of guys like to say is that what Paul is saying to the church at Colossians is that when you have a conversation about God, don't talk like God bores you. Because if God bores you, we probably need to be sending people to have conversations with you. Believers in Jesus, we can't be offensive. The gospel is offensive enough so you don't have to be. The gospel does not change, but our situations that God places in are unique. The gospel does not change, so make sure that you are sharing timeless truth in a timely fashion. The long game. I just want to be truthful. I want to say what's true. Well, Jesus was probably more true to the Bible. When I say probably, I mean he was. Than any of us. Yet in Luke 15, we see that he is sitting with tax collectors and sinners. And they love him. So what are we thinking about when we think about those who are far from the Lord? Are we thinking about what God has given us to say and why God has given it to us to say? Are we thinking about what it means for someone to be separate from God and and what it would mean for them to draw near to God? Are we thinking about the trickle-down effect of a lost person coming to faith and how that will not just affect them, but it will affect their family, it will affect their friends? Are we considering that what we call mundane is what the Bible calls miraculous because Jesus has done a work in us? Jesus calls us to be thinking about those around us Since I walked through the door, I've been encouraging you to pray for your lost friends. I pray that you are. Please do. We've pushed you to invite people to church. And there are some who wrestle with that. I'm just going to let you know, if you're struggling inviting people to church, then go to another one. We want people to be in church with you because we want them to see you celebrate Jesus. We want to set up conversations for you to have with them about Jesus. We pray that you'll meet lost people. Are you choosing to meet lost people because Jesus seems to be very direct with us in the way that he lives and Paul is very specific with us in the things that he writes
about those who follow, who follow after Jesus, care about people knowing and loving Jesus. And the last thing that we see in verses 7 through 18 in this list of names that I can't pronounce is that we should line our lives up with real people. Line up with real people. I'm going to take a hack at reading through this and I'm going to point out some of the things that we see. Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and he's a fellow servant of the Lord. I have sent him to you for this purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts and with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you. And Jesus, who is also called Justice. Everyone got a different name if their name was Jesus. Those are the only men of the circumcision among whom, among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, you have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write these greetings with my own hand, remembering my, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Here's what we see from those names that I just read that none of us can pronounce. One is this, that among those who have partnered with Paul, there are Jewish people, Mark, Justice, Aristarchus. There are also Gentile people, every one of the rest, including Luke. Slaves and free, rich and poor, poor. There are those among this group who have separated themselves from Paul at one point who have been restored to the faith. That would be Mark. So if those, there are those who you have relationship with and there is distance, know that the gospel offers hope for that. Reconciliation. Demas is on the verge of defecting, which means that those that we partner with may not be in this for the long haul, but partner anyway right now. We see this, the church at Laodicea, they will eventually be called lukewarm. Paul is writing in the moment here. Letting us know. We also see among this group there are physicians, there are slaves. And the idea of the family of faith is not one color, is not one creed, does not speak one language. That it is an idea that is much, much bigger. So we... As a faith family here at Grace that meet together at 1027 Dixie Drive in Clute, Texas, which is right across the street from Lake Jackson, which is super confusing to everyone, have been bound together for this reason. That we would make much of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And that our concern would be that Jesus was known and loved and responded to. And the way that God has chosen to see himself known. To hear others respond to him. 
is through people like us. Normal people who do not share socioeconomic status, who do, do not share family design, who do not share family background. What we have that binds us together is what binds all of the church together throughout time and history. And that is the shed blood of Jesus for the hope of the world, as the hope of the world. So I would pray that we would see Jesus as that. And that as we walk towards the resurrection this week, gathering together on Friday to celebrate his broken body and shed blood, that we would also see that we celebrate his broken body as what makes me whole on Easter, as his shed blood as what forgives me on Easter. Because Friday is not the end, the resurrection says that our lives are forever. So bind ourselves together with the gospel in mind. Should you bow your heads with me this morning? Even as I talk, I know that some of us are going into this Easter season and we know we're going to have conversations with family and friends that we don't typically have. And maybe there's some worry or concern or anxiety that's coming with that. If that's you, could you just kind of raise your hand? I know what Easter brings. Yes, it's a holiday that I celebrate, but I'm going to see family and it's going to be hard. It's just going to be difficult. If that's you, could you just raise your hand? Raise your hand. Awesome. Maybe you have a co-worker you've been praying for, a friend you've been considering, someone you've been thinking about you would love to see with you in worship next Sunday and you're not sure if they're going to come you don't, you don't know why they would ever think about coming but you're praying that they'll be at worship with you next week if that's you could you just kind of acknowledge that by raising your hand I've got somebody I want to bring with me next week that's awesome that's awesome Jesus, we, we do, we, we pray today that we will realize that we are united by your blood. And that we stand victoriously because of your resurrection. So Lord, these hands that have been up, all that comes with holidays, I, I pray that we'll see the opportunity you've given us. Lord, I pray that we will hear from you. We will. And God that we will take the opportunities that are in front of us and run with them. 
Because we believe that you change lives. God, I, I, I believe that you change lives. I, I believe that we're called to preach that and teach that and say that. So I pray that we'll pray for more than just the logistics of life. Those are okay, God. It's great that we, can, we, we have a God we can go to with those needs. But I pray that as we pray for those, we'll also pray for the just for direction and for, for strategy to, to caring for those who are far from you. We ask all this in Jesus' name.